1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. The Demons went out through Petrarca, now to Oliver, on to Hannon, kicks a full forward, set it up for Tom McDonald who takes the mark. Tom McDonald level things up and he does. Tom Mitchell went back down to the rooms holding that right shoulder but he is up and he's back on the ground. Handball to McAvoy but he goes further to Warple, 40 metres out, didn't have time for a cider, did not matter. It came out, Howley's a tackle, was it high it was. They've both been dicey frequent so I reckon both Monty and Spargo. Charlie Spargo, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie! Not his best kick, but it spits out the back. Gunston is onto it in the pocket, eyes the big stick, and thumps it into the left-hand post. Wow, what a miss. Missed the target, Shields, goes in to rectify, but can't. Here's Spargo again, gives it to Neil Bullen! The sound of the defense in raptures. Pop it back to the hot spot. Hannon cleared the way and took the mark. Mitch Hannon, 25 out. This would be a dagger. 26 point leaders. The run comes now from Smith. Channeling through the MCG. It's set up for a big team lifter. And is he good enough? He is. What a goal. Isaac Smith with a blast from outside 50. Gunston Ruffhead all at that crack out. Was he ridden into the ground by Tyson? They were appealing. The non-controller has given it. From 25 metres out, the leader leads. They've kicked three on end. And this game is very much on. Milksham plays Crummer onto the boot. Gave it a look. Got it. Got it. But it was most needed. Jake Milksham roars to the Melbourne fans who roar right back. Milksham puts it straight back to the hot spot. Tom McDonald, vice light grip. The Demons have answered the call. They were all at sea five minutes ago. They straighten up and they establish the buffer. And so for Melbourne, the feeling grows. This intoxicating run through the final series sends them to Perth for a prelim. I thought our response after half-time was exceptional. When they got within 12 points, clearly there's some things that we've improved on as a team in those type of situations. You know, obviously we know the stadium, we know the team that we're playing against. It was five weeks ago, but um, we start again. I think our preparation is going to be really important, but we'll be ready to go. The Demons show their mettle and they'll carry the chant of their fans across the country to their first preliminary final in 18 years. All-Australian ruckman Max Gorn is our headline guest. We had our chances throughout the course of the night and we just wasted wasted chances in crucial crucial patches and you know we just lacked the, the polish and composure at, at key points in the game and I think probably tonight we just saw that we're just lacking a bit of, bit of quality and polish at, at the bottom end. Hawthorne goes out in straight sets and while Clarko ponders what might have been, the coach is realistic about where they sit. So what do the Hawks need? Ten years here, I absolutely love the place, love horse. My best mates have been there since I was 17, so it's an incredibly hard decision to make. Telling the boys and the family was probably a lot easier than telling Kenny. I was a bit nervous going to Kenny's um, office. Yeah, I hope so. It's still something that uh, we're working through with the management and the club and uh, with what's happened, there's sort of more stuff to think about. There'll be a group of recommendations that will go before the AFL Commission and their decisions will be made in October. Is it going to be loud? Absolutely. Our players can't wait to get to the MCG. They've been at the pointy end for the last couple of years and, and they look like they're playing as good a footy as they have all season. So it's a legitimate challenge.
Collingwood and the Giants ready themselves for action while rule changes move a step closer and the extent of player movement takes shape. We'll explore it all in the crunch. It's a massive finals edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Let's help you into a Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au for details. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Hello everyone, welcome to Crunch Time on this Saturday, a little bit of a gloomy Saturday in Melbourne where we greet you all from the one place. The D's become the third team to book a place in the preliminary final and it will be left to Collingwood and GWS to fight out the last. Melbourne will take their finals show on the road to Perth. We can't wait for that, but uh, we've got plenty more footy to get through before we get that far. Bob Murphy is with us. Uh, morning to you, Bob. Hello, Hutto. How are you, mate? I'm very very well. Very well. And David King also in the studio. King? Morning, boys. How are we? And of course, great uh, day. Jared, as you've already heard, it was more of the Melbourne celebration last night. Once again, it was great, great to be part of it. It was great theatre, and they are the, the running story of the final series. I'm sure most fans who don't have their own team in there have found a way to tap into what this is. I love that they were thoroughly challenged, so every part of their game got the workout that they needed. I reckon they got the lesson. And they got the win. So they're improved. They're improving week on week on week through these these last four. And now we'll see how they look against West Coast you, in think, I'm interested in your I assessment of that, Jared. Yeah, I'm I interested. I don't know about that. I, th- I think they took a step backwards last night. I mean, the Hawthorne Football Club, if they'd have taken their opportunities, they'd have been three or four goals in front at half time. It's a whole different ball game then. The game shifts. They've taken 58 marks in the first half. That's how Hawthorne want to play. If Melbourne play like that next week, they'll get beaten by 12 goals. The West Coast play a similar brand, but they've got better stocks. It's as simple as that. They've had the week off, their condition ready to go. So Melbourne have got some work to do this week. They've got to correct, not going to iron out a few little bugs. They've got, they've got to say, hey, who are we? Because we were humbled in that first half. You've got to go and win finals. You can't save them. You can't play safe. You've got to take them off the opposition. Hawthorne failed to do that last night. I'd hate to wake up as Jack Gunston today, having kicked three goals, five. But the reality was they... Got the most out of their talent last night, and Clark goes right. But Melbourne, got some work to do this week, Jared. They completely panicked through the first 10 minutes of the last quarter, and when they threatened to submit to the anxiety, they straightened themselves out, and they did it with good authority, I thought, over the last 20 minutes of the match. You're talking about more earlier in the game, uh, eh, both, King? Both. I think that when Isaac Smith kicked that big goal at the start of the last, I thought, here they come. Here they come. They've been they've been down for thirty minutes. Their first half was fantastic, Hawthorne, and should have had a, a strong lead. And didn't. Se- second quarter, they just didn't capitalise at all. No, did they? they didn't. And and that's that's part of that happens. That's part of you know talking like a loser. Really, okay, we should have done with this. We should have done that. We didn't take our chances, Bob. We've all been there. But I, I just think for call it call it seventy minutes of one hundred and twenty, that they were beaten. Now they, they've won, great. But if they think they can play at that level next uh, next weekend, they'll, they'll be back on that plane as quick as you know it. How did you see it, Bob? Uh, I'm a bit more with Jared. I, I've seen them in... I was intrigued in Perth when... Mel- Melbourne's issues seem to be the, in broad brushstrokes of the psychology. They, we, we know they had the, the chess pieces on the field. When they got the wobbles in round 20... 
22, was it round 22? Yeah, the second yep. last game yep. of the year. And they were just able, they, they wobbled a bit, but they did steady. Against, when Geelong sort of challenged them without landing that killer blow in the second and third quarters, and they were just able to weather that. And then last night, I, I agree with Kingy that the first half, they, they didn't look they didn't look their best. And then they were able to correct it a little bit. They started to sort of take the game on a bit more in the second half. And then in the last quarter, when they got the wobbles to the point where I felt all my Melbourne mates just go into like into the fetal position, and then they were able to steady again. <laughs> they really did lose the play. Max oh, paralysis. Max Gorn's out of bounds on the full. That was that was the at that stage. Thought, oh my god, what's yeah. going on there? There's a meltdown. And Jordan Lewis had a shocking moment where he kicked to a three on one against, and like they were. They were borderline panic, and if you submit to that, that's paralysis, and you get run over the top. I thought they did a really good job to recognise it, to fight back against it. And if learning is a, if winning is a learned skill, and I think they've been the example of that throughout the year, I think they are absorbing their lessons. I think they got another lesson last night, and they get out of it winning. If you get run over the top, imagine what that looks like through the summer. 32 points up at three-quarter time in a semi-final, and you completely gas it. Yeah, look, I don't think they gassed, They were going to gas it. I, I think that, again, I'll come back to Hawthorne taking the game off them, and, and it's and clearly Hawthorne went into the game knowing that that's how they believed they were, you know, confident they could do as they've done fifteen of the previous sixteen times, well, not all of those, but in those recent ones, yeah. play that game style that you're talking about, and that Melbourne that would really challenge Melbourne. If we'd have gone to that game last night and you said Hawthorne have taken fifty eight marks in the first half. And you had to guess a scoreline. I'd have said Hawthorne would be in front. Well, that, that's just control. That's just you know, a couple of big mistakes. Like for all these exit out of the defensive mm. 50, cost a, a goal. You think, wow, you know, they really miss a Birchall. They, they miss to Stratton. They, you know, we all know they missed O'Meara. If one of those guys is out there last night, we're probably telling a different story today. It was that sort of game. I mean, to get it back to, to two goals, all the run, I know what you're saying with the steadying. But Melbourne still had control with contested footy. They still had control with clearances in that last quarter, yet they were being scored against. So I, I don't know if it's... Sometimes you can you can gloss over your wins and say, OK, yeah, no, we, we're going well, we're winning. And you stay positive in a final series. I get that. But I'm telling you now, if they, if they do that next weekend, their season will be over. Yeah, I don't think they'd be glossing over the win, but you get the win. And they did win by 33 yeah. points. Yeah, like by the end of the night, it's it's a good margin. They were they're out. Uh, Hawthorne had more scoring shots, didn't they? Yeah, oh, just to your point. I think the margin's a false margin, but it doesn't matter. The, the, there's no percentage in finals. Who cares? You move on to the next to the next week. Um, but again, I think Hawthorne. If you look talent for talent, you know, to have them where they were at halftime was a huge performance, a, yep. a great performance. And all Hawthorne fans say that's all we ask for. Um, great coaching. We we talk about Alistair a lot, but they got. They, they took Melbourne out of their game. Yeah, they're not the finished product, Melbourne, and I don't think anyone has thought that they would be by the end of the year. This is, and their age demographic says it, is this is the beginning of a run. It doesn't work like that, Jared. I reckon it does. No, no, we've seen young teams come and just fall away no, the no, next season, yeah, season yeah, after. Yeah. You've, you've got to win them when you've got a point of difference. Yep. Their point of difference is they're the toughest team in the competition by some margin. They've got the, the best ruckman in the caper. They've got the hardest midfield crew you'll ever see. You know, Tom McDonald is, is stamping a, a claim as, as a top four or five uh, forward at the moment in the game. Uh, so you've got to win them. There's no, there's no alibis. And I don't, think you, I don't think you get to that point of ready. We've talked about them week in, week out this year. They are ready to win a flag.
There's no waiting. There's no mm. birth certificate that says, oh, okay, you've now entered this period of your career where you can win one. They are there now. But if they play like they did last night, which in my opinion was a step back from the previous week, they'll be in strife. Doesn't matter. They've won the game, move on, big challenge going to Perth. A lot of feedback off the SMS, as you would imagine. Uh, someone even calling you a Melbourne hater king now. Oh, that, oh so, no, no, no. You've no, carried no, that no, all. No, no, Where have no, you no, been? No, yep. no, yep. We have to stop. We have to pull up there. We <laughs> all have to pull up there. Uh, Hold cool. your fire, king. Credit where credit is due. Uh, <laughs> due for the demons, but for you, you a wet win. blanket. Hawk severely undermanned and missed. Uh, yeah. Easy shots, Melbourne lucky, someone uh, giving that point of view. Plenty saying that these pressure was the reason that uh, Hawthorne missed so many shots. Um, David well, they King. They kicked 6-6 six, six from set shots, and Melbourne kicked 11-4. There, there's your gap. Yeah. But they, what, they kicked, what, 10-11. They didn't kick 10-19. So Gunston misses chances that he should have taken. But I think you can... Anyway, but... I admire Melbourne for getting through what was a really challenging and hard night it's against the team on board, that has shown them the been pretty hard on Melbourne. Good to have you on board. <laughs> All right, we're going to take Later. a break. Max Max Corn is going to <laughs> is going to join us next, and we will open the lines after that, so you'll get a better say out there. As someone said off the SMS, cheer up, Kingy. Oh. This is crunch time for Honda. Jeez, I let's, regret that too. Let's help you into a Honda. See Honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. And the debate continues off our SMS machine about uh, Melbourne's performance last night. One thing you can't argue is that they are through to a preliminary final. 16-8-104 to 10-11-71. And leading the way was the big man in the middle, Max Gorn, and he's uh, joined us on the line, the old Australian Ruckman. Welcome, Max. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Congratulations again on last night. What was the message from the coach post-game broadly? Um, oh, obviously, delighted with the result. Um, we get to go to a, prelim, uh, a preliminary final now, which is pretty exciting. But um, I mean, I heard you guys talking before. It wasn't our best game of football to, to play for a semi-final, but um, our contested brand still stacks up when we're in a bit of trouble. And we had, um, I thought, in the highlight was definitely we had six defenders that just weren't willing to be scored on on the weekend, and they had a lot of opportunities to defend. And that was unfortunately the way we played, but. Um, some guys down there like Michael Hibbert and Neville Jetta were superb, so they kept us in it, to be honest. It was funny, we were just talking in the ad break about those two players and what an incredible combination they are for you down there. Yeah, um, Hibbo had to play a little bit taller on the weekend with Hawks having a relatively tall forward line, and um, he still gives us so much run, and Neville Jetta, I mean, it's well documented that he probably should have been in the All-Australian squad. Um, he kept probably their best player to a very limited game, so um, he's very well, uh, high, highly regarded in the club, and um, he did some super stuff on the weekend. Take us out there if you can in that last quarter, Max. When Hawthorne did get that start, they did kick those I think, three goals too, and you were having a, a fair bit of trouble getting out of defence. Uh, uh, clearly, you, you answered that call, but what was sort of going through your mind, and what were the leaders trying to do out there? Yeah, I tried to soccer one off the ground, you know, <laughs> and decided to give them another goal. Um, look, we we. 
we talked about it the three-quarter time as a leisure group, just four of us, and said, look, Hawks are going to come, and they're going to kick sort of two or three at some point, probably in this quarter, and it's about how we react to that. And um, when it did happen, I got the midfielders together, Jordan got the defenders together, and Alex Neilborn and Tom McDonald got the forwards together, and we sort of just um, set ourselves for, for the next sort of two or three contests, and that's what got us um, the momentum back, and... I mean, you see, Mitchie Hannon took a took a good mark, and then Jack Malcolm takes a good mark. Tom McDonald takes a good mark. They all take their thirty seconds to have their shot, and that just wrestles the momentum back our way. Max Bob here. Well done last night. I, I interviewed you a couple of weeks ago, mate, and, you, and at that stage you hadn't played finals footy at all. What have been your impressions of the intensity of the first two weeks? Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty on in there. Um, I wouldn't expect anything less with some of the guys that we have on our team, but. Um, the midfield battle is pretty ferocious, and uh, it's, I mean, an electric ap- ap- atmosphere. I'm not sure how many people get to play in front of 92 weeks in a row. I'm not sure if that's consistently finals football, but um, it was a, it's pretty good. And the, I think the bigger the crowd, the more the footy turns into a contested game. What about Jack Viney, mate? Last night, there's been a lot of talk about him. There's a lot of admiration for the way he came in last week off the spell. But again, last night, close to the best man on the ground. He had 27 touches from just the 67% game time. You spend you know, a lot of time in there up close with him. What's it like to play alongside the man? 67% game time. I was wondering why I was out on the ground for a little bit longer. Like, yeah. I'll make sure I thank him. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's a beast. Um, look, we knew that we were going to get that. Um, it was just a matter of him learning about his body and to be honest, I've seen a new Jack Viney from the Jack Viney of old. He started to listen to his body a little bit more. and A bit of a smarter option with his foot. and um, He could have pushed. The old Jack probably would have pushed to play in the West Coast game and the GWS game. But he just sat back and, and let it heal the right way. And He's come in and he's playing some, a serious brand of footy and um, playing on some really good players. And yeah, I'm pretty happy to be taking the field with him each, each, each week. Max, David King here. Well, well done last night. It's been a fantastic ride. We're all on board. We're all enjoying what Melbourne are doing, and particularly it feels like you take us on that ride personally. What's your last night? In that first quarter, when you went from the ground midpoint of the quarter, you got stuck on the bench for about six or seven minutes. How hard is that to, to, to cope with? And, and is that something you'll have to look at because it was a really long break that probably outside the norm for you? Yeah, it is It is funny. Every time I go to the bench, it's minimum a minute. So anything after a minute, I can come back on. So um, I usually sometimes it's around the two, three-minute mark. But when the ball gets stuck on the other side of the ground, like it did, it just it can become so hard for a rotation. And we were tagging um, Tom Mitchell at the time, and he came off for my rotation, and Harms had to go back on. So um, it just I got stuck there for sort of six or seven minutes, which um, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, bullish about our ruck stocks and we do have two guys in there that, that can compete and um, in Wiedemann and McDonald but obviously six or seven minutes isn't ideal to be sitting on the bench for any player let alone um, the ruckman. You've been too nice you've been too nice, <laughs> they're, they're not Max Gorn, come on let's be honest Max now can you spend that time forward, Look, just educate us a little bit if you were to go to full forward and then put yourself back on the ruck uh, at the right time, could you could you manage that I'm just looking forward to a preliminary final and a, and a grand final and just seeing what sort of ground time you can play as a ruckman. You are a running beast, so the aerobic side of the game is not really a problem for you. How much ground time could you play if you wanted to? Um, I'm happy to do a three-way chat with Goody now if you want. <laughs> um, 
Look, I, I obviously, every player wants to try and stay on the ground for as long as possible, but rotation is the thing in football. And um, Obviously, my role is to play the ruck role, and sometimes it can be wasted forward. I, I seem to think when I get a, a ruck combination of like a 50-50 ruck combo, they actually come in a bit tired from their forward role because of the effort to have to play as a forward. So um, it is actually more tiring as a forward unless they give you the the rule to just stand in the goal square, which, I mean, even that's pretty hard to get. So um, I'm pretty happy with playing ruck and just moving forward when I, when I see the time's right. So I've got a rotation question as well, Max. Is once Roughhead kicked the goal to bring Hawthorne within 12 points, it was the 11-minute mark of the last quarter, and McAvoy comes off for his rotation. Mm. You stay on, you win the centre clearance, Melksham kicks the goal. Did you sense that moment? Was it? Were you surprised that McAvoy went off given the game situation? Just what? What did you take in around that? Um, yeah, McAvoy was pretty consistent on the weekend at coming off at around the eight nine minute mark to start off with. Um, so I was presuming he was going to do the same thing in that in that quarter. And Crossy actually, a runner, came to me and told me to come off at the same time. And um, I told him just a little bit of game state. That's what we spoke about at three quarter time as the leaders that. Um, I've got a chance against Ruffy in the centre bounce. They've kicked two or three in a row, and um, I'd like to sort of win this clearance before I come off, and that's what happened. Um, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes Goody can ask me why the hell did I stay on, but um, I was able to get my hand on it. We won the clearance and got a goal, and then I came off for my rest. So little things in like like that, you just got to... Um, I mean, not only, it was only 25 seconds I stayed on the ground for longer, but it just managed to stay for one ball play. So it, was, it was the game. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the game. Awesome. And, and did, did you ask Crossy if you could stay on, or did you tell him? Uh, me and Crossy have a very love-hate relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. He tries to, the last two games, he's tried to get me off in the last two minutes of the game. and um, I do a very, very slow walk over to the bench. <laughs> um, and Crossy, Crossy, Crossy tops it from goodies, so... Um, what about um, when you come back on the last quarter, Max, and you couldn't quite get into the into the centre circle, and you come off the front of the square as a half forward flanker and won the clearance? Do you think that's a role you can expand? Uh, well, there's rumours that Braden Proust is coming across, so I'm just <laughs> I've got to throw my hand up as a half forward, maybe um, versatility. Like it? <laughs> um, no, I actually just noticed there wasn't a winger, so I thought I might go play wing, and all of a sudden I got the ball. So are there moments, Max, where the game can just be too rigid, rigidly locked into this is when the rotation happens and you've got to keep some sort of sense of this is where the game is? Yeah, it, it, it definitely can. Um, my rotations are pretty locked at around the 13, 14-minute mark. I'll tend to come off for my one or two minutes, but there's got to be a bit of game state in that as well. And um, obviously with second rucks coming in, there's potentially a chance to take the second ruck, but then also I'll be taking my rest when the first ruck's back on. So you've got to look at that sort of stuff. Um, bit of a game state feel, and I thought last the last quarter last night was one of them. If you dropped a football equal distance from Jack Viney, Clayton Oliver, and Michael Hibbard, who would win that ball, Max? Um, oh, Hibbard would probably do his hammy. <laughs> um, probably, probably Viney, I'd say. Um, he, oh, actually, geez, that's harsh on Clayton. Viney won't just won't give up. Yeah. He's desperation tackles. Um, he dives in head first and relatively reckless about how he goes about it. So I'd say Jack would win that. What's it like knowing that you're going to give them some sort of advantage? It might be a sixty forty uh, in terms of the hit out advantage across the course of the game. What's it like knowing those guys are at ground level and just given the the hardness of this midfield group now? 
Yeah, the last night I definitely noticed a couple of times I put a little bit too much sauce on a little a few of the hits and Clayton still takes it at full pace and with one hand with a guy uh, hanging off him. So he's a serious talent at first possession stuff and um, if we if we lose the hit, Jack Liney will go clean it up for you and Angus Brayshaw is a great versatile player in there and Harmsy's improved. We've got four guys in that centre bounce that um, I really enjoy playing with. We've got a close little group between the five of us and um, every now and then Jonesy comes in and Vanderberg comes in but it's the five of us that are really setting in every centre bounce. We've got a different plan and um, we know exactly where the other Ruckman's trying to hit it as well and it's a good little setup in there. What did you think of the umpiring last night with the sliding and taking mm. of the knees? Um, a bit harsh? Uh, to be honest, I... You see it happen, then you go, oh, that might be paid. So if I'm thinking that, obviously the umpire's thinking that. So there might be a chance that they blow the whistle. So, you know, in all the decisions, I thought, oh, that's close, or um, I hope he doesn't pay that. So at least I'm thinking it. So it's not that far-fetched. Do you think players are now manipulating the rule to a degree at times, Max? Um, oh, I'm certainly not. Um, <laughs> but, no, nah, it's not talked about in here. Um, okay. it, I mean, people may have a... Just a little hidden agenda out on the field, but um, it's not talked about talked about openly around the club. So, what's the week ahead look like for you now? Um, oh, we got the weekend off again, Friday night footy. I can get used to this. <laughs> um, actually, Kingy, you would have been able to a lot of Friday night footy. It was North Melbourne tonight for a while. The weekends were a bit different for us back then, Matt. You might, <laughs> you actually might have liked it. It was more of a marathon post the game in those days. <laughs> um, no, look, I went to bed straight away last night. I didn't get to sleep straight away but um, went to bed and uh, go down and watch Casey today. They played a preliminary final against Essendon and um, Bernie Vince is back off his shoulder four or five weeks after a shoulder operation which is pretty courageous for the kid to, well, the kid, he looks like a kid but for the guy to come out there and do that and um, there's some other guys playing some pretty good footy like Joel Smith and Jaden Hunt um, that could be Use later on in the year for us. So we'll be down there today and watch that and then um, into training next week and then off to Perth relatively early. When you're lying in bed uh, after a game and you can't get to sleep, are you thinking about the game and footy or anything else but? Uh, if you're thinking about footy, you're not going to sleep. So you've got to try and change your mind a, a little bit. Um, I actually put the cycling on last night in bed to see if I can start watching that and try and get to sleep, but I'm too in, involved in that as well, so that didn't help. <laughs> can, can I just ask you one quick one on the game next week? How much learnings do you take or lessons do you, do you have from the last time you played over there, which was only a month ago? Is it is it much of a factor or is it a complete reset? Um, I'm not sure if they'll show us the game or highlights in the game. I think they would. We watched a, I mean, a little bit of the Hawthorne game from round four this week, so I'm presuming with the West Coast game being a little bit more recent, we should see a little bit of the vision. Um, I know we brought a really big contested ball brand to that game and um, we had some, some guys play some ripper games but Darling also went out in the first quarter and Kennedy didn't play so yeah. they'll be a different team as well and um, I mean our tall backs are in some of the better forms they've been in in terms of Frosty and Hibbert and Oscar McDonald so it's going to be an exciting battle for those three down there and uh, yeah look we know we got them last last time, but it was, I mean, by the skin of our teeth, they they almost got us in the end, and it's going to be a pretty close game. That's funny to hear you say that you watched the round four game during the week, because I'm sw- I swear Goody said in his presser that it was so long ago, it was completely irrelevant, it didn't mean anything. <laughs> All right, I'll, uh, Goody was supposed to call me before this. 
I'll stuff that one up. <laughs> no, no, no. All good. <laughs> well, Max, fantastic uh, again. That well, uh, the, the journey that you're on, and as uh, Kingy said, you've been sharing it with everyone, and, and that is much appreciated. The whole club has been incredibly open, and Simon Goodwin, uh, to be serious, Kingy, while you're still there, Max, the way Goody has handled this uh, has been incredible. I reckon. What, you tell us, Max. You tell us what it's like having a, a young coach like Simon, who, who's just embracing the journey. You, you tell us what he's like. You're probably better school than us. Yeah, look, I'm pretty proud of how the club's handled um, their first finals experience. It's the media manager's first finals experience. It's the coach's first finals experience. Everyone's in uncharted territory. And um, to open our doors on the Monday, both finals, and let the media in, and I'm sure we'll do that again this week. And um, that's mostly Goody's decision. And, I mean, he's a, he, he's a bit of a dad around here. We Everyone looks up to him and asks him for advice, both on and off field. And, um, and he's a footy nerd as well, so he would have watched West Coast the last game and he would have he, he's already got a game plan ready for that week and it's not even 11 o'clock Saturday morning. So um, that's, that's what he brings and um, it's a pleasure to have. And I've had seven coaches, so... I think I've got a rough idea of um, when, a, when, when a good one comes in. If you had played like you've been playing this year, you would have only had one coach. Already. <laughs> You're responsible for that, Max. <laughs> Sorry. Enjoy the weekend, Max, and we can't wait to see you in action next week. Thanks, guys. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. Give us a call if you've got a thought on last night, where the Hawks are at. Uh, what about the Demons from here? Are you more on the Kingy camp, where you thought they weren't as good last night, or are you more with Jared that they, hang, le- hang on. they learn a lesson? Don't sell the wrong message here, Anthony. Okay. I'm a massive fan of the Demons. I know, David. You've been, you've been driving wanna, them all year. Jumping off now is such an odd thing, oh, Jared. <laughs> Jared. It's going to be violence in here. <laughs> and just looking around, you're not really well equipped for it, you three. <laughs> oh, no. It was a drive and you're by. in there too. <laughs> Don't you start. <laughs> I was enjoying that until you whacked me. <laughs> this is crazy. He's got a point though. This is crunch time for Honda. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Not, 03 9429 is the number to call. Uh, and uh, we'll take your call straight after we hear from Alistair Clarkson. We had our ch- chances throughout the course of the night and we just wasted, wasted chances in crucial, crucial patches. And, you know, we just lacked the, the polish and composure at, at key points in the game. And you know, Melbourne, Melbourne are a good side. They have been for a fair period of time and, you know, they're playing some of their, their best footy right now, their last month compared to our last month. We probably played our best patch of footy from about round 18 through round 21. And I think, I think probably tonight we just saw that we're just lacking a bit of bit of quality and polish at, at the bottom end, you know, with Birchall, Mira, Stratton, you know, you lose, you lose Rioli prematurely. Just in a, in a list that's changed pretty significantly in the last 18 months, to have four of quality like that, one of which is gone now in Cyril, cuts pretty deep. You know, Birch was, he, he won't play now on Sunday, but he was taking a long way to peg himself back to get fit and, and play some footy, and he was going to be, finally be right to go. We've sadly missed him. Maybe. Some, in, some in the competition, especially opposition sides and coaches, that fully understand and appreciate the, the value of him. We need to get better. Hopefully there'll be some more growth from 
organically within our within our list, and we need to do whatever we can, either draft, trade, or free agency, to bring in players that will improve our list. And there's some blue sky there, but we've worked really hard as a hard as a club, give ourselves this chance and the exposure, for, particularly for our younger players, of getting two finals. Just unfortunately, just just weren't playing our best footy in the last month. What considerations for going to Ruffy's future, whether Hawthorne's the best place, and so forth, and you've detailed that at length. Does there need to be discussion with respect to that, or is it pretty cut and dry? No, no, we've, we've had the discussions and he's playing at Hawthorne next year. Alistair Clarkson, it must be the end of the season when Clarko's uh, listing players that are out injured because that's something he, uh, he generally avoids. But uh, let's take some calls on where the Hawks are at uh, primarily, but also your thoughts on the Ds and Kingy. David is on the road. G'day, David. G'day, boys. How are you going? Good, thanks, mate. Um, I just thought it was interesting that the first week we went in the wet uh, against Vancouver with two rucks and then yesterday in the dry where we're going to go up against Matt Scorn, we uh, decided to drop Sagler and, and play Jeray or Mirror. Um, I just thought of the selection table, maybe we might have got that a little bit wrong. What were your thoughts? King? Uh, look, I didn't think it was an error. I didn't think it cost you in any, in any way. I, I, I'll throw the question back to the caller and just ask, what would Segler in that team have bought that would have been a point of difference? I didn't think that they had a problem getting the ball inside forward 50 or getting opportunities. So it wasn't a, a supply problem. So what would Segler have offered? Just another set of hands. Um, we seem to get outmarked a little bit in our forward 50. Mm. And I think the big key was, as uh, we was mentioned there before, when you spoke to Max Gorn, uh, when uh, McAvoy went off at that point in the last quarter, it was very e- e- um, evident being at the ground that, uh, yeah, they, they just got the ball out of the centre way too easy during those times. And Ruffy, he, he's doing a great job and he makes a contest, but he just doesn't quite get off the ground like he did three or four years ago. Yeah, that's a fair call. I think they were hoping Sean Makers would do that. I mean, he kicked a couple of goals and they were important goals at the stages when he, when he kicked them, so... I suppose if you're bringing Segler in, it, it does it does make you a bit pedestrian. Yeah, and I think the week to be honest, the week before it it they didn't handle the conditions. Like, they almost didn't adjust their game to the conditions, did they? And we were surprised that they played the two ruckmen to some degree the week before. Anyway, thanks for your call, David. Harry is in Lara. Hi, Harry. Yeah, fellas. And that? Um, I reckon it's a bit of an end of an era for the Hawks. A bit like the nineties. If you have a look at when they beat West Coast in the ninety-one Grand Final, they lost their next four finals, and then. Had a period of about 10 years where they were gone. And now, after 2015, they've lost the next four finals. So I reckon it's, it's going to be Groundhog Day. Bob? Uh, I'm not sure. End, end of the year doesn't sort of, that doesn't sort of chime with me. I, I think... We've already seen I, the end yeah, of the year, I think, haven't we? Yeah, I think they've already kind of transitioned for that. I think, you know, for a side that's gone straight sets out of the finals, there's a general sort of sense of optimism out of out of Hawthorne. The way they, you know, perform. I think they got beaten by two better sides, but I think they equipped themselves themselves pretty well. The forward line is 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 an interesting it is, yeah. conundrum for them. That Ruffy and Ruffy in the twilight. Showing makers has had such an unusual career. Still not sure yeah. whether he's in the plans. They just they just don't seem as dangerous, do they? Cyril's a massive loss. There was a lot on lot of pressure on Gunson and Bruce to bring that danger and and spark for them. Gunson you know, had missed opportunities last night, quiet the first week, and Bruce had a really quiet final. So and in the end, that was finished, too much, really, wasn't it? They finished fourth, yep. didn't have Birchall all year, yep. and lost Rioli when things were getting serious. And O'Meara in a big game. And O'Meara in a big game. Oh, this, she just, they bottomed out. For, they, they had a rebuild that lasted about 120 minutes. Yep. I mean, yeah. it's been unbelievable season, what they've been it? able to do. I, I think they were, a, if you want to call a spade a spade, I think they were a false fourth. Where they finished at yeah. the end of the home and away probably didn't, 
They, they would probably acknowledge that. Clarko's pretty much said that, hasn't he? He did. His, I interviewed him after he made after the finals. So the home and away was complete, and he said, "I'm not trying to be cagey, yeah. but just beware the Hawthorns back rhetoric." Yeah. And then he went on to explain why that's not really true. And I mean, he forecast their own finals fate. Really, if you go back and think about it, I think I think fourth is is is. It sets you up to fail if you if you're the Hawthorne of this year because you play the best team in the competition. You go in as a, as a, uh, an outsider, you get beaten, and then you've got to play the team that's fifth, so the best team from the bottom bottom bracket of the eight. If you finish fifth, you play the worst performed team that's made the finals, and then you get an opportunity against fourth. So, it, and we've it seen probably what, hurt yeah. them in the end. We've seen what winning the winning that first final what that does. It gives you momentum, it's a massive. Yeah. It's a it's a big shift. All right, thanks for your call. Moving to Matt, who's in Craigieburn, wants to talk about the D's back line. Hi, Matt. Hey, young guys. You just mentioned that the Brewsters had a quiet finals, and I reckon still the most underrated player in the game is Neville Jetta. And what he, his two finals that he's played on oh, Luke Bruce and Patrick Dangerfield um, have been absolutely brilliant. And even Oscar McDonald, he's, he, he's grown into a, just a quality um, uh, key defender. And all used down the back line is better than his brother ever was. Um, but, yeah, those those two guys in particular, but just the Melbourne back line has been really strong in the last few weeks. It was even telling, listening to, to Max Max Gorn earlier, how he, he talked about how you know they, they had a back line that was just, I'm not sure what the words he used, but it was the, it was their sheer will of they, they, weren't, they weren't going to be scored against. So obviously, you know, they really relied on them last night because they didn't play their, their their perfect footy, did they? We forced Spud last night to concede that he voted for Neville Detter in the uh, All-Australian team, but none oh, of the of others did. did. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, no, nailed, nailed that again. The unity of the All-Australian selection <laughs> panel is just frighteningly good. Uh, I think when you look at... Um, they've got complementary defenders. I think what Hibbard brings is different to what Jetta brings. But when they're side-by-side, side, it, it works. Now, Jetta's more of a lock away, never get beaten one-on-one, you know, bring the ball to ground, diffuse a problem. Whereas Hibbert's the creator. I think that they they could probably do with one more offensive weapon. This is where Hunt would have been such a great player for them right now. Mm, he's emergency, wasn't he? So yeah. he's, he's, not far, he's, he's not far away, but he's a long way away in the same, in the same sentence. Can't so, see them making a change, can you? No, they don't need to. There's no, there's no need to panic. There's no need to change. It's just challenge what you've got. It's just, it's just get better from here on in, and, and that's, the, that's the beauty of the pointy end of the year. They complement each other pretty well at the moment. Don't it, oh. like, even Frost, who could be a bit... Jittery with the what he he's just sort of smoothed still over some worried. of those rough yeah, edges. Still worried about Oscar. Yeah. Still little asterisks next to that. But one. Even, it's the palm sweating oh. just a touch. Even when Frost gets the ball, it's like oh, it's exciting, but you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but they've done really well, given they lost Jake Lever. Yeah, early in the yeah, year, they've, yeah. they've adjusted. It took them a while, yeah. but they've adjusted brilliantly to that. Pete is on the road. Hi, Pete. G'day, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Great, great listening, by the way. Um, Kingy, I think you've got it spot on with Hawthorne on, on two counts, and you kind of stole my thunder. One is we overachieved in getting to fourth, and, and a lot of it had to do with the list overachieving, but also the inconsistency in that, uh, in that group, actually that group below Richmond, if you like, with the injuries at West Coast, um, uh, you know, the injuries to West Coast, the injuries to some of the other teams, and then that inconsistency in that whole group allowed us to kind of finish fourth. So it was quite fortuitous. But, but you know, rarely do you hear Clarko make excuses. For him to call out the root cause being, you know, the fact of the list, and then we lose two key players, you know, in a week again from week to week, it, it makes it impossible. So effectively, you're making up the numbers. You've over-exceeded uh, in the season, really, based on what you've put on paper. 
Um, and it is it is optimistic, to, you know, to see what you can do just with that list and going forward. So uh, I really think you hit the nail on the head, mate, and um, thanks for taking my call, boys. Johnny, Pete. Oh, this is the, the conundrum from for now. Let's talk about what happens going forward. They're, they're backline stocks. Stephen May, do they go Crawley, for him? Mirror are their key posts at the moment. It's probably they probably need May more than another midfielder. But then you look at their midfield, yeah. and you say, gee, they could do with one more. And when O'Meara wasn't there, you know, everything comes, all the chickens come home to roost. I just I'll just look at the um, I just look at their forward line. You touched on their forward line. They'll always score because the way Clarko sets the game up, they'll always find a way to score. But I just wonder whether they're more Wingard than May, or, or where they sit with their with their trade period. Which way would you go if you're if you're just looking at it? You have to choose in? between Wingard or May as uh, your main tag. My my gut is May. Yeah, I just th- I, I think that, that Frawley needs a, he needs a bit of help there. Well, Frawley's twenty nine now. He well, I don't, I'd have to look that up. I'm I not think sure he's, exactly. I think he's twenty nine. My yeah, my my gut reaction can, is can that. Can you not I, ask I think, questions when you're answering? <laughs> just answer the questions. He is twenty nine. Okay, <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> How old, how old is he, Jerry? He was born 20th of September 1988, so he's about to turn 30. Oh, Jerry. Oh, <laughs> no, no, well That's done. A, That'd make it Damn. 29. So tomorrow, <laughs> uh, so uh, next year he's 30. Oh, there's there's clearly money in the cap now with Cyril gone. So I think I think Alistair's coaching is so creative. If you can give him, if you give him the talent, you'll you'll reap the rewards. Birchard will be back next year. So there's there's someone who can who's a bit of a hibbard, really. He can play tall, play small, a real general. I just wonder which way they'll go. And the, the, the easy answer is you, you get whoever you can. You know, I mean, you just acquire whatever talent says yes that they'll come to Hawthorne. That's the bottom line. But, gee, may it be handy right now. Well, it's a question for Stephen May that maybe we'll ask in the crunch a little later. Who would you choose if you're going to choose between Hawthorne and Collingwood? Uh, so uh, appreciate all the feedback. There's plenty there for the Hawks and uh, the Demons to consider. We'll have one last look at last night uh, when we come back and then move on to tonight and some of the other big questions. Tom Petroro, one of the leading player managers, is also going to join us because, of course, trade fever has already hit and there's a lot of speculation now and there's more to come. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Of course, later on you'll hear all the action from the MCG when Collingwood meet GWS in the big second semi-final. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The award-winning Crunch Time. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC Safety Barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety Barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Melbourne did the business last night, booking a place in a preliminary final to face West Coast in Perth tonight. Collingwood and the Giants for the right to face Richmond, who had their own little issues at their closed training session, their intense training session yesterday, which set a few flutters through the football world. It's all up for discussion on Crunch Time for Honda. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you, David King and Bob Murphy, with the takeouts from last night, and then we'll cast an eye ahead to the rules discussion and where the competition committee has left us en route to the commission 
what will the game look like next year. Player movement, which has been going all season, if we're honest, but it's really intensifying and a few of the balls are landing in the holes at the moment. And then we'll get the intense view of tonight, Collingwood and the Giants at the MCG. But the takeouts from last night first. Let's start with Max Gorn. Are the, Mel- are the Demons seasoned enough to ride this all the way through? Well, I'm pretty proud of how the club's handled their first finals experience. It's the media manager's first finals experience. It's the coach's first finals experience. Everyone's in uncharted territory. And to open our doors on the Monday, both finals, and let the media in, and I'm sure we'll do that again this week. And that's mostly Goody's decision. And, I mean, he's a, he, he's a bit of a dad around here. We Everyone looks up to him and asks him for advice, both on and off field. And, and he's a footy nerd as well, so he would have watched West Coast the last game and he would have he, he's already got a game plan ready for that week so Bob you've seen this firsthand. do Melbourne have the markers of a team that can run this all the way through yeah I think so I, I think with the way they play and, and you know King you described them as the, the, the toughest team in the competition there's certainly an argument they've, they've got that combative style and I think yes they're young and they've they've got you know a, a level of inexperience but they've also they've just won two finals in a row they've got this surging momentum and they've also got the bruises of last year which I think we've we 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 have spoken about at times but that 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 really stung them and embarrassed them last year and that some people a lot of people think that you you do need a bit of that uh, before you win it oh, I think they're pretty well placed Jared if they had just gone on that camp <laughs> that would have been absolutely cherry ripe. No, I think when you look at their midfield, if Oliver doesn't get you, Viney does. And if Viney doesn't get you, Brayshaw does. They've, they've just got this complementary mix that are seriously tough. And, and you talk about, you know, Max touched on winning hitouts and then losing hitouts and, and being disadvantaged at times and seeing a Viney go to work and win the ball back for them. We don't talk about Nathan Jones as the answer anymore, and that's really healthy. Um, what, what they have got is the ability to score. And score quickly. I mean, when they get on top of you, in a five-minute window, they can they can kick you know four or five goals. That's a massive asset. I mean, that that's something that's just that I think the West Coast Eagles don't have. Um, and Richmond have that, but they rely on the ball being you know bobbling around their forward line a bit. They don't necessarily explode from the back line. Melbourne do. So I think that they can they can be in any game. They can be two goals down half time and they're still in it. But they can put a game to bed quickly. That's that's I think. Every premier has the the opportunity. You look back and you say, "Gee, they they put us away in a ten minute burst." Yeah, they rev. They have that ability to rev yeah. the engine. Yeah, yeah. drop it and in, in the power band. In Tom McDonald now, they have a have a way. I mean, Wiedemann didn't have the game he did have the week before, but still played his his part. But Tom McDonald, it's one of the great stories of the year. Had some big moments too last night when they, when he really stood in. That was a big big mark. Set shot goal. I mean, they're, they're he those, just those kicks key, them too. Yeah, those it? key moments that that steadied that shit when they did just look like they got the wobbles for a little while. Did contact below the knees work the way it's supposed to last night? Can that be play on? Because when I when I look at you can't you can't pay that against Brayshaw. So it for, can't for be play second. on because if it's not against Brayshaw, it has to be to Brayshaw. Yeah, God. I, I, when I look at I look at Brayshaw, I, he can't do anything else but what he did. That's admirable. I just don't think. In the spirit of it, you, you can't. Well, he was already pay. on the ground, wasn't he? Yeah, it's just the, that was the interesting part about the two that we had last night because Jordan Lewis was already on the ground as well, sort of crawling for the ball. Is they weren't players who slid in to get there; they were already there and trying to reach out for the ball. I think you got to understand why we initially brought this rule in, and it was to protect the player who's, who's coming in and hasn't arrived at the ball yet. 
So Lindsay Thomas slid in past the football to take the legs of Gary Rowan and then secondary take possession of the football. We had to get that out of our game. That That's an absolute no-no. But it's gone too far. It's, it's now yeah. we're paying free kicks where there's really a 2% chance of injury. It's a small, small um, opportunity for the player coming in who's upright to be injured in both of those occasions. I yep. think of whose ball it is. Like in that, that was the that's the one that started it. That was Gary Rowan's ball. I, I think last night. I think, and we're to, I'm, we're talking split seconds here, and even in slow motion, where you're still like, oh, it's a, I, I look at last night and go, it's it's Brayshaw's ball. I, I see it as that's Brayshaw's ball. What are we asking ball. him to do? What, what are we asking Brayshaw to do? He, he can do nothing else. He's on the so ground. The ball's moment. a metre from him. He can reach out and grab the What are we asking him to do? Burgoyne's coming in regardless. So, what, he's just lay there? I mean, that, that's just not our game. So we, we need to encourage that guy to reach back for the ball, to try and take possession, to put his head on the line like he did. Mm. He did everything the game asks him to do, yet we still punish him. Yeah, so the, there's a disconnect. And the player running in was allowed to make contact with his head yeah. and and get the free kick by doing so. And that's why oh, I had actually less of a problem with the Gunston Lewis once once I had a proper look, look at the replay, at the replay yeah. except that it allows Gunston to Just run to in and make in. head high contact with Lewis yeah. in a way yeah. that we're protecting the legs more than the head. In that instant these yeah. were peculiar instants because yeah. the players were already on the ground scrounging for the footy. But yes, we protected one player's legs at the expense of the other player's head. It looked head. serious with Brayshaw. Yeah. For, for for about yeah. a minute I thought, oh, he's rubbing his neck. This is classic rugby league sort of injury that sort of can be can be sort of Feel minor at the time of contact, just an irritation that can be quite serious. But just happy that he that he got on with the game. The tagging of Brayshaw was interesting too, wasn't yeah. it? The last one out of last night is the three teams who lauded over the competition: Hawthorne, Sydney, Geelong are the first three teams out. And we well recounted the finals record: Geelong have lost nine out of twelve, Sydney have lost seven out of ten, Hawthorne have lost four in a row. So they're all trying to outrun the competition. You know, they're trying to beat the cycle, and they keep making finals in doing so. Who would you prefer to be from here? Ooh. The old who would you rather be, yeah. Jared? You brought it back. Bob, you of first. the three losers? Of the three of them going uh, forward. Oh, I think Hawthorne. Yeah, I just think after you know, the caller before end of the year or last night, I, not at all. Like that, they've already navigated the. I think they. I think they acquitted themselves pretty well in both finals. They just got beaten by, by by better sides. I think there's probably more optimism for Hawthorne. I think we're jumping off all three too quick. Yeah, personally, uh, I think this happens every year. Everything's broken because you've been beaten in a in a big game. The Swans are a proud club. They've got uh, their Callum Mills to come back. We haven't talked enough about him. Uh, he's, a, he's a captain of that football club going forward. Provided they don't lose too much. If they lose Hanabry, does it really hurt them? I don't think he's had the sort of year that's going to shake them too much. They're going to have some cap space, aren't they? Gary Rowan stuff? going. Seriously, how many games has Gary Rowan really separated for the Swans over the last five years? Not many. So I don't think they'll really be much different. Um, but they'll have some, some quality draft picks again. They'll trade heavily. I mean, if they were to get a Darcy Moore, he's the sort of player that could change their profile considerably. Geelong has still got this glut of stars. I mean, we can say what we like about the bottom six. They, I think they made some mistakes in selection late in the year. You know, Jones was going okay. I thought that um, Narkel was really showing some signs. Get back to that. Trust the kids. That's a shift uh, in Chris's philosophy, I think. You know, find out what you've got. I think the Essendon Football Club years ago played guys like Dyson and, and Bullen and these sort of guys for, for three, four, five years in and out of the team, never really know what they were, didn't have an answer on them. Are they taking us anywhere or not? I think you've got to make sure that doesn't happen in the modern era because list space is too is too critical. And Hawthorne, gee whiz, 
they just find a way to recruit the right player at the right time. Things things have already changed there. So let's not jump off them too quickly, and I'm sure their fans aren't. Yeah, uh, look, we've got Tom Petrov. Are you, are you jumping off? Are you off the Cats? Oh, no, I think they've got to. I think they have to pick. They have to pick. Young play, they have to get young talent into the club. They have to take their pick. I'm happy for them to take Dalhouse, but they can't. They can't be trading for Jack Stephen, in my opinion. They have to. They can't give up that first pick. Do, do we? The bigger question is, do we value first round selections way too high? Given given the the strike rate of actually getting a hundred game, two hundred game star in the top eighteen selections, do we value the pick over the known product too much? I think sometimes we do. Well, you know, I, you know what Jack Stephen is. You know what Chad Wingard is. He knew Alistair Clarkson what Tom Mitchell was. He knew what Jago Amira was. Tom Mitchell for pick fourteen was a massive steal. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, do we value pick fourteen too high? But there comes a time though when you've got to get the young talent in, don't you? Well, not if not if you've got these players for eight years. Anyway, Tom Petrora has been patiently waiting on the line for us. Sorry, so Tom. Just to get, we've got Tom on not so much to talk specifically about his players, but more to give us a, a, a broader understanding of, uh, of what it is like from a, an agent and from a player point of view in this landscape, which is ever-changing. Tom, thanks for your time. Thanks, Otto. How are you going, guys? We're going well. Uh, are we, we've, a lot of the free agents have re-signed. A, a few, obviously, have given an indication that they're leaving and, and where they're going. But what seems to have changed significantly in the past uh, 24 months in particular is that players that are in contract now are being targeted, and it seems successfully. Yeah, I think, it's, um, I think there's a couple of things. Let's not forget that um, just on sort of a year and a half, two years ago, we got a 20% uplift in the salary cap. So some clubs worked really hard to um, to create some space, which is happening now, leading into, leading into 2019 and beyond. And some other clubs probably didn't manage the uplift in the cap as well as they could. So they're looking to trade a couple of players out. Um, we all blame free agency for for movement. It's, it's not free agency's fault because, as you just said, there's probably one or two free agents left that are unsigned at the moment. The reality is, I think clubs now look at it uh, far more objectively and say, well, if we can trade player X out and bring in player Y um, and we get a 2% increase or a 5% increase in output, and I noticed what you said before, Kingy, about playing those kids at Geelong. Um, if you can make those small changes and people play some different roles and you bring in someone for need, um, then... The, the appetite to move players around is is far stronger. So we're we're all just, I guess we're evolving, and we're all we're all probably having conversations. And I don't know. Probably when I started twenty years ago, the, one of the more horrific moments was when Essendon traded out Plumfield and um, Carousella and those guys, Heffernan, in that. And then everyone was like, "Oh, what are they doing? They're you know they're ruining their club." But but now I think clubs are looking at it and saying, "Well, if we can bring a guy in and, and we get some, in, you know." We're all a chance to be in the window. Um, if we can bring players in and it makes us better, let's let's look at it. And what's the players' motivation now? How would you balance that up and how that's changed, Tom, from the straight out, I want success, I want, oh, I'm going to be loyal to the club that gave me an opportunity versus the hard cash? I still don't think they're driven. I don't think the, the driver is cash. And uh, all the players I've managed over the journey, I reckon I could count five to ten that were predominantly cash-driven. Um, but I think that players look at it as well and say, well, um, if the club's open to me moving, 
and I can go somewhere else and get a fresh start or I can go and play in a different role or I can get more midfield time or, you know, I, I want to be the key back one out or I want to be the key forward um, or, you know, Clarko sells me a vision that he's going to play me in a different role and make me a better player. I think there's a heap of factors that players look at. So how far out is this going on in a season, particularly with players that are contracted? So yeah, how and how do you get an inkling that this is maybe one of your key players is being targeted? I reckon that once we get through the national draft and we roll into December, we start catching up with list managers as to what they're planning for next year. And I've had, I'm having conversations now, um, probably more so the early conversations are about the free agents to try and get at the front of the queue. Um, and then, yeah, I reckon we start planning around this stuff December. When do they make a decision, Tom? Logically, I mean, we hear that they, and clearly the players can't tell us at a point in the season, they have to wait for the right time. When the season's over, they give the club an idea and, we don't officially know it'll down the path, but when do they realistically make a decision? It's all dependent on the player and their circumstance. Um, I think that I think the earliest decisions come back half of the season in their mind. They might not tell the club where they're going or what they're doing, but I reckon that they start to get their head around it, you know, June, July, August. But there's guys now that are being talked about that are either uncontracted or open to trade and they haven't made a decision. So I think the early decisions probably, we'll say, July. Um, and then and now now is sort of as the season finishes and they take time. Because it's difficult to, you know, make a decision. So, right, I'm going to go and play for Collingwood next year and I'm, I'm now at Essendon. Um, players want to concentrate on what they're doing. It's hard enough to get a kick. You don't really want too much of that stuff. And, and that's where you admire the guys that, that run the course as a free agent and cop all the speculation through the year. Like, you've you got to look at Gaffey and say, well, God, he had a great year considering he had a massive decision to make on his, um, at his end. Is there more going on, Tom, than most people would recognise and imagine? Oh, uh, you guys are a day behind us, two days behind us. So um, there's lots more conversations. Um, but but most of it surfaces pretty quickly. Yep. Um, and and the other thing too is you guys are astute in the media, you know, and you know you know the game well, and um, you you see things come before you know before they probably happen or the suggestions, and then sometimes that might create pressure on clubs to to look at things and. Um, so, so the media plays a role. We're not used to people saying those words, by the See, way, Tom. That'll light up the SMS machine, that one. <laughs> um, so, so the media can play a role in, in all of this indirectly, Tom? Yeah, I think it can because because sometimes the conversations that you have might be between the agent and the club and, and the player might know. Um, and... Um, sometimes the coach may not be aware because it's initial stages or it may be that um, the club that the player wants to go to has a fair idea, the player has appetite, but the club he's at don't know yet. And if if stories break prior to people being honest or um, being transparent, the 
that can sometimes set it down a different path and people can react and it's it's an emotional period you know you 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 for for one of a better example you you're creating divorces and separations and you know um all the time so you, you the media does play a role definitely so it'll be emotional if the kangas get gaff pollock hall and taron thomas i can tell you that hello but <laughs> last year tom i think we had about 20 players uh traded and moved clubs how many would you expect this year uh, how long is a piece of string key um is it is, i'm hearing that it could be up to sort of Double that could be forty, could be more. Well, there was, you know, I read an article during the week in the Herald Sun that said that there was thirty-two or thirty-three players talked about, and I looked at that and I saw it. Like, I, clearly, we don't manage all of those guys, but I probably looked at that and went, "Yeah, twenty, twenty-five of them get done." And then I looked at it and went, "Well, there's probably there's probably another four or five that I know of that aren't in this article that are probably a good chance to see things happen." So. Um, I think you said earlier it was 20 that moved last year. I'd assume a lot more than 20. Is it 30? Is it 40? It's hard to tell. Because then also, too, that um, you talk about the Kangas being into gaff, right? Um, so they've got the money for gaff, and then they miss out on gaff. Gaff stays, for argument's sake, and they still have the money. Do they jump into shield? Do they do they look at um, do they look at another player? This there's, there's Things can change course pretty quickly. Most clubs are pretty calculated, um, but but also there's probably... I, I still firmly believe, and I don't think we're sitting on anything, but I still firmly believe there's one or two more to come. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. another big fish to, to fall. There's, there's four or five you said that, you, that people we're not aware of. What are those ones, Tommy? <laughs> Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm probably, probably not in a position to tell you those now. But looking at, and when I say not aware of, they weren't listed in the article. They've probably been talked about, um, you know, in in different articles or um, on different radio stations or whatever. But I looked at the 30 and went, oh, I reckon there's still a couple that, you know, and I can't remember off the top of my head now. But of course you can't. Yeah. <laughs> just Go by on. you. Hey t- Tom, I just we talked about the role of the media. How how difficult is it from from your perspective dealing with players and clubs and being in the middle when the rumours and the kite flying starts? Is that is that difficult to manage at times? Yeah, that, that's really hard because because players are human beings and and when people are, are negative about them looking to move and I never forget when um, Jared Brennan moved from. Uh, Brisbane to the Gold Coast, day two of trade period, he rang me and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, he goes, I'm reading, I'm reading all these articles and all the Brisbane supporters are potting me and, well, you know, they've been good to me and maybe I shouldn't leave. And I went, mate, you've just sometimes guys are, are some guys are really good at shutting off from it. Um, the other thing too is every now and then, because it's an emotional period, um, agents, players, clubs get stuck on oh, but who's put that out there you know and who's used the media to help them and and it's sort of oh, my theory is that don't worry about who's put put what out there are we still got appetite to do this and if we do let's continue to do it we've got enough things to worry about enough things to work through don't don't concern yourself about what you're reading you know keep, continue doing your job basically tom do you think that if we had a mid-year trade window for a week through the through the buy round that it would 
have as much movement? Call, call it 10 to 15 players. Would we have 10 to 15 players change clubs at the midpoint of the season? So not about 10 to 15. I, I reckon if we had a mid-season trade, it would be around need. Um, and my concern with mid-season trade is um, the the wins and losses at round 11 or round 12, whenever we do it, um, does it make the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Because the player sort of says, oh, you know what? Um, Sydney are a chance to win it. I didn't think they were. I'm on 350 grand and they've got 300 space in their cap. I'll go for 300. I'll come back 50 because I might be a chance to win one. Um, I don't think we'd see heaps of movement, but, uh, you know, we just talked about it. Then we had 20 move last year. We might have 30 or 40 this year. I think we're just evolving. We're just, we keep maturing as, a, as an industry and, and movement's nowhere near what it was 20 years ago. Do you think it's good for footy, Tom? Um, it's good for most sports around the world. Are we, as Australians, are we too loyal and uh, are we not used to it? Um, I think it can be good in the case of guys getting better opportunities. I think it can be bad in the pressure that it puts on people and sometimes the ridiculous figures that get bandied around and um, I think it's good for the game because it creates interest all year round. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a, that's a longer discussion, Jared. Yeah. Well, we, we, we said we were surprised at uh, getting some love from the media from you, Tom. You've actually got quite a bit of love off the SMS for a player agent that actually speaks sense and doesn't speak BS. So yeah, he's a star. You're obviously doing something wrong, Tom. <laughs> Thank, thanks for joining us. It obviously is going to be a busy time. We appreciate your insights uh, into what is, as you said, a, a fascinating element of, uh, of our industry and only getting bigger. But thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Tom Petroro there from Stride. The cultural push and pull is, I think, fascinating in this space because culturally I think there's a resistance to heading down a path where everyone just whizzes around and yet the contradiction is nothing generates more interest on the metrics than player speculation, the possibility of moves, the hopes and the the, the ambition of it. Yeah. So it's an absolute contradiction. It is. And so what does that... Who gets pandered to? Where does it go? There's a bit of a... I reckon there's a bit of... With trade, it's like... It's it's all about the speculation. That's... Like almost once the trades actually go through, it's something like, oh, that's done. We get drunk on the hype. Yeah, a bit bit like that. That's what feeds all the clickbait. If you said today, Dylan Shield's going to Carlton next year. Mm. It would be the talk for the weekend. I mean, they're so invested and excited that a club can rebuild on the Messiah-type program. Um, it, it is so important to have hope as a, a lower-ranked club. And I just get I just get confused by our system at the moment. You know, the, the 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 unrestricted free agent, the restricted free agent. That's a nonsense. That doesn't make it actually doesn't make any difference when you see what's happening with Stephen May and when you see what happened with. With uh, Lynch, Tommy Lynch up north. I mean, that just that just doesn't make any difference. I wonder if we're mature enough to handle free agency now to say, okay, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to five years, unrestricted. Let's just let's just create movement, and not just leave it for the for the star and the million dollar lure that doesn't cost a club a selection. Open it up. 
can, can we handle A, the loyalty, and B, the notion that... Loyalty's gone, mate. Five, that you put five years into a player, you just he's just emerging as a player, and then he What's can just walk. One more year, six years. What's the difference? It's only one year, and, and they can hold a gun to your head anyway. All right. We need to take a break. This is crunch time for Honda. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Plenty more questions. We'll touch on a lot of those players that are potentially up for grabs in the crunch and work our way through the rules and then into tonight's game between the Giants and the Pies. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. The D's are into the preliminary final, and while Melbourne fans can sit back and relax after their 16-8-104-10-11-71 win over the Hawks, it's the turn of the Giants and the Pies. The anticipation builds for the second semi-final, which you'll hear tonight. This is crunch time for Honda and the TAC. Of course, the TAC safety barriers save lives getting us towards zero. Before we talk about the potential rule changes coming up, let's turn our attention to uh, the trade situation and some of the specifics. Dan Hanabry, can we start with him? Because uh, he was obviously one of the uh, the big announcements out of Sydney during the week. Uh, is he the sort of player St Kilda should be targeting, do you think? Clearly they are, and they want him, and it looks like they'll get him. And then I guess the question comes up of what sort of deal... Will they get for him? I think the 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 best version of Dan Hanbury every club would want because he was that he's that inside outside can kick goals. His best he can just about do it all. Dan Hanbury. The, the big question mark is around is he banged up? That's the you know how hurt is he? What sort of conditions his body in? If St Kilda are, and, and that's the assessment St- of whether he's short term banged up or long term banged up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So the the you know the the talk that he's missed the last two summers or is it degenerative stuff? So there's a there's a big spectrum of, of where his physical health is, but if St Kilda are confident that he he can get some work into him and that it's not degenerative stuff, absolutely. So this is, this is my question: If St Kilda think he's okay and they're keen and he's going to be that player, why don't Sydney? If, if they would know him better than anyone else, good question, Anthony. Mm. Is it possible that he's superfluous to needs in Sydney? in terms of the money that he's on and the possibilities that it creates, if he does have a hint of wanting to go and we go, all right, well, we think we can cover that and what we really need is this and so we'll redirect our money. Yeah, spot on. I think that's what they're doing. They're opening up some salary cap space, which is priceless up there at the moment given their their restriction. Um, it's forced more players out than it has uh, availed them to get some in. So, so, so if they're happy to lose him, let's say, how do, they, how do they work out what compensation is? What do they actually pay for him? And... Do they potentially still end up paying a little bit of his salary cap? This is this is where I probably wonder why St Kilda are declaring their hand so early. You declare your hand, you're almost obligated to get the deal done. So if Sydney sit back and say we're not doing it, we want you, we want your first round pick, pick three, we want it. You've you've told this guy you, you're gonna you're gonna um, service the needs. You're going to pay a five-year deal. You're going to pay eight hundred a year. You're going to, you've told him he's coming. You told him to get the deal done. We want your first round pick. And what, what, what did St Kilda say then? No, no. Well, we're going to give you our second round pick. Well, not happening. What happens then? 
Mm. Well, I, I don't think they're going to give up their first round pick for him. So. Well, it, it, there'll be a standoff. In the end, no if, doubt if, there'll be a standoff. If Sydney actually want to move him on because of what it frees up, then then they'll get the deal. But, done. but it is it is yeah. the cart before the horse. There's not many clubs doing this at the moment. Who else is saying we 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 got this guy? We we you know we we're, we're going to get him. We've we've sorted this out. We're doing this publicly. Mm. No no one. I, I just and in reverse last year the Bulldogs sort of played their hand with Jake Stringer, didn't they? It all went sour, and then they really had no they had no that's bargaining what I'm power. You lose your you lose your position, and I, sometimes the, the best clubs doing this come hard and come late. This is why Hawthorne. You'd never hear about Hawthorne doing anything, and all of a sudden they got a deal done. And I think that's the approach you have to take because you've you've got to keep your cards close to your chest through this period. It, it is it is a real a real strategy. There's a science to this. And and you know what? The poorer clubs do it poorer. Simple as that. So we asked the question before. Stephen May, would you choose Hawthorne or Collingwood if everything else was equal, if you're Stephen May? Hmm. Uh, I gave you an hour to think about this. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think probably Collingwood. But, I mean, they're good options, aren't they? Both good clubs, but both be happy heading in the right options. direction. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Six one half a dozen the other. Who who do they both need him equally then? Was he leaving? Was he's leaving well, for he success? success yeah. So where are you more likely to have success right now? You'd say Collingwood. Probably you? say Collingwood. Yep. I mean, they're still alive in the comp. They're they're probably by Alistair's own admission, he's he's a fraction short on talent. You could say, Okay, the master coach, trust that, or do I go to the the bigger club, if you want to use that term in Collingwood, everyone says it's a bigger club, I'm not probably not sure it is now when you really think about it, but I I think he can have more impact at Hawthorne, but I think I think he's more likely to get success at Collingwood. But everyone chooses Collingwood. Trelaw chose Collingwood, and look what that's done. So it, it's a tough one to answer, but it's there's no there's no wrong answer. Put it that way. Yeah, well, do you agree, is... Jared? Yep, I do. And I think so. Write me write the team. If I'm Stephen Day, write the teams down. Where do I fit round one next year? I think Collingwood. That's because of. Um, Dunn being injured and, and Hawthorne yeah, have still got nice pieces there but um, Clarkson would move the pieces I think if May's there he might flip Sicily back forward um, so yeah my gut feeling is if you wrote it down you'd go this makes most sense to me at Collingwood I think he'll be a, a different physical specimen at another club yeah I, I was going to ask I, you about how good he actually I is I think he's got uh, he's got enormous improvement with his his um, just his shape I think he's 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 got uh, he hasn't got a hardened AFL body for me. You know, look at an Alex Rance playing centre half back. I think you're a monster. I think he's a little bit of what Jeremy McGovern was, and then he saw the light and what he could be, and and has, and has trained accordingly. I think I think Stephen May's got a long way to go, and he could become a very pointy end elite defender. I don't know if he's there right now, and there's, there's a bit of. There's a bit of lifestyle It'd stuff. It'd be nice that. to see him play footy without having to point and scream and crisis mm. manage. Watching him down at Kidinia crisis Park in the in the, like in the last game of the year, where all, the whole time he was just trying to get these boys back line together and point and organise. How many him, years? Him, him playing was kind of the sixth thing on his list of yeah, <laughs> list yeah. of things to tick off. This is the crunch for TAC. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Yeah. Just... Some we're, crisis management in here with an injury in here. Just <laughs> someone's carrying a little bit of it. Loses limp is the phrase. I'm stubbed. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a big stubbing though. Yeah. Just quick of the names that are, we've got a big list here on, in, in front of us on the screen. Obviously Tom Lynch, Gaff. I mean, he spoke about it on radio. There didn't seem to me that was more reading that he's more likely to come than than 
than less so. Polak's declared his hand during the week. Lockie Neal. Dylan Scheel is a, is a fascinating one as to what would motivate him to want to come. Obviously, coming back to Melbourne, one question, but... Um, would he be prepared to go to a St Kilda or a Carlton? That would seem to be against trend, wouldn't it? Well, finance plays a part. It, it does. And I, I, you know, he's clearly on good money up north anyway, but they're under the squeeze. They they need to, to shift one of the stars. And Is it at the absolute pointy end with a shield? Who knows? But maybe it is. Carlton have thrown the world at him. So if, you, if St Kilda are going to get him, they're going to have to match. They're going to have to do the same. So it's, it's almost sell the farm stuff, really. And I just wonder... I just wonder if they're getting what they think they're getting. I know we've touched on this before, but these questions for clubs that have that have sat back now for three weeks, knowing where you're at is the only question you need to get 100% right at the end of the season. If you get this wrong, you you commit your club to the bottom of the table for a four, four to five year window, a football generation, if you like. So. I hope I hope these these decisions have been made in the cool, clear light of day. All right, we'd have endless discussions on all the players there, and uh, no doubt those discussions will take place from here on in. But uh, this is the crunch for the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Let's have a listen to Steve Hocking talking potential rule changes. The competition committee met uh, for more than three hours at AFL House this morning. There'll be a group of recommendations that will go before the AFL Commission and their decisions will be made in October. The primary areas that will be part of the recommendations and have been talked about extensively right throughout the year, starting positions at each centre bounce of six players in the forward 50, four players in the square, two players on the wings and six players in the defensive 50. A larger goal square, uh, we've talked a lot about that. A restriction on the use of runners to only occur around goals um, so that there is a greater responsibility on the instincts of players during a game. A number of other interpretation tweaks which are not law changes but to ensure we are in line uh, with what the uh, law book for our game uh, wants imp- implemented. So it's that you can't see any obstacle to that coming in, can you, Jerry? The no, commission think, will tick off? Um I don't think they'll lightly tick off. I think they'll need to be convinced, just like the competition committee needed to be convinced about why and the good for the game. So as long as um, as long as it all stacks up, I imagine the imprimatur was given to Steve Hocking to form this group and to conduct their research from February all the way through. So I would expect that they have they have won over the competition committee and that they would be able to win over the commission. It's not a rubber stamp. So I... I th- and I think the commission would be paying attention to the um, to the firestorm outside, so they'll need to be absolutely convinced it's the right thing for the game. Have they? They clearly haven't convinced the public about this, have they? No, no they, they haven't, haven't handled this well, Jared. No, they, they haven't run the political campaign on it. They haven't. It's lobbied. not about they politics, is it? It's just, isn't no, it just no, about you hit the hustings? Is that's where I liken it? You have to get out on the hustings and tell people why and how. As I think they've taken the view as we'll we'll do it, and then you'll see it. Does that wash? Well, it's not washing. If you ran a, a popularity poll in the moment, is most people are furiously against it. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't the AFL? It would just be as simple as a phone call to a Fox Footy or Simulcast Channel Seven, whatever you want to do, and put something to air as to how they've arrived at the point that they're at before it gets ticked off by the commission. Yeah. Just to show everyone, there is more evidence. It's it's a it's a broader base of evidence that than, than we can really. Um, verbalise now. Yeah, it's the Why interesting part of the that? backlash is 
it's um, it's emotive, it's irrational, some of it's really well resourced, some of it's deeply thought out, except that it pales into insignificance against the actual work that's been done. But, but there's no, no one faith knows. there. But yeah. no one knows. There's the no work. faith from the public yeah. towards the AFL because they've been poor in this space before. This has been a completely different approach, but they haven't sought to do that. Um, I, I suggested to them at some say stage during the process that they really should lay it all out from the beginning of time, which is the way they took it, through to the key moments, the pivot point in the evolution of footy history. They've chosen to continue to, to do their work diligently and Not their job, with Jerry. tremendous depth, and they haven't sold it publicly. They, they need to get on the front foot here. It needs to happen before the commission sit and, and make their decision. Yeah, their job is to run the game, uh, and that's what this, this group has taken that extremely seriously. What is in the best interests of the game? And the secondary point of that is, do we bring the people with us? Well, they've chosen not to bring the people with them for the time being. And I think they're at the point where you go, when you see it, that that, that will be the moment. But w- w- this when you see it, is when is that happening? Uh, in the JLT. Isn't, that's too late. But they, they don't have to... They don't have to win a, um, a vote. It's not a vote to get it through. So it, it, what's not too late is that's when it will happen. So I understand that, and I'm I'm with you, is I think to bring people along, I probably think there's a view, and I have some sympathy to it, is um, there's such a, a resentment and negativity, a resistance to this sort of thing, that even if you tried, you wouldn't bring people along anyway. So let us just do the work and do what we think is best for the game, and then you can judge it at that point. And even the framing of it, radical change, it's not its not radical change. It's for where they started of what would have represented radical change. This is really mild change. Do you think the 666 will actually make any impact? I don't think it'll make the game worse. I think there's a chance it'll make the game better. I'm the same with the longer goal square. I don't think it'll make the game worse. I think there's a very legitimate chance it'll make the game better. I like the 666. Mm. I think that that's... The aesthetics of how we start our game should should remain. I don't think we're getting a better-looking game having nine guys rushing off the back of the mm, square. That's I not agree. what we want to be. So I understand why coaches have, have tried that and tinkered with that, and credit to them for, for trying to you know get ahead of the curve. But I think 666 is fine. I think every supporter is happy with 666. They're not happy with the goal square. That That's one that's a, a drastic change and what that does. I understand why the AFL are doing it. In simple terms, they're trying to get the ball back to the fat part of the ground. Yeah, distribute the players more broadly into a bigger part of the field. If, if you look at the inside 50 volume of every team now, it's in, out, in, out, in, out. Bounces in and out of your, your 50 through the press or of grid, whatever you want to call it. So of your, of your 50 inside 50s a week, 25 of them are repeat inside 50s or 20 of them are repeat inside 50s. So they want to get away from that. They want the ball to be able to go from one end to the other, um, and and create a spectacle. Give us highlights. Give us give us give us scores if you like. But I just don't know why we have to be so secret about it. If that's all you wanted to do, if you wanted to make the game better, why is it a secret? Have they actually trialed that enough, Jared? I think they've trialed it to a degree. Three VFL games. Yeah. So they think they've got some empirical uh, evidence and some vision. Which was used... So this is the bit... I think the middle step has been missed. So there is a competition committee which represents clubs and and all sorts of different levels. And that group... This is why the week was significant. That group 
was convinced by the presentation and their reputations are now wedded to it. If this was as stupid as footy fans think it is, this group would have... No, no. Well, I've got two hundred. I've got two hundred and seventy-four responses to a factual tweet with no opinion to say that there's a critical mass of people who think it's stupid. But Brad Scott and Chris Fagan and Paddy Dangerfield and Eddie Maguire and Peggy O'Neill and Colin Carter and Andrew Vozzo and Justin Reeves and Andrew Island all sat and are convinced that they think this could benefit the game. And if if it was ridiculous, they would have said, no, we're not doing that. We're just not doing it. How many of your 274 have got actual profiles and real names, Jared? But this but this is the thing. is it, It's a bad sample size, Everyone Jared. thinks that it's emotive and it's irrational. And some of it's really well thought out. Some of the stuff I've read. But it pales against it the has actual not, work that's Jared, been done. It hasn't had strategy put against it yet. No, no, that's true. So, so it's, to me, all that's fine. But you have to have strategy against something like this before you bring it in holes, bowlers. Yep. All right. We do need to take a break. This is the crunch for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives. Getting us towards zero, the Pies and the Giants. Preview next. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Let's help you into a Honda. See honda.com.au. This is crunch time for the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives. Don't they ever getting us towards zero preview time. Hello. You yes. Can't, you can't write that and then just put kind regards on <laughs> Do you want me to read it out or not? Go with it. I don't care. Shut up, King. Kind regards. Stupid little dummy spit from you just because you weren't consulted. You think you're so flipping good. A lot of people don't rate your opinion anyway. Kind so shut up and let those that know do their job. Regards, Cam. I don't think you can start with <laughs> shut up and finish with regards. I thought it was kind regards. No, just, just regards. Oh, not, so I'll, no, take no, all, I'll take that all back. Not Let's kind. not read it out then. Can, can the Giants get this done tonight, Kingy? Oh, absolutely. This is going to be a great game. It's How? A, well, their midfield um, has all the weapons that you need. They've got Whitfield in great form. Toby Green's all their energy, forward of centre. Um, and Collingwood, is it such a difficult matchup, Toby Green? Do you go with the Dylan Grimes type that can get an arm in and stop him marking the ball because of his aerial presence, even though he's a smaller man? Or do you try and negate the ground level stuff? And you can often just get it totally wrong. And he, what he does, Bob, goes on the scoreboard. So that's that's he's the beauty of tonight. There's so many questions, so so few answers. He's such a hard matchup because he can jump, but then he's so he's a bull on the ground, and when he holds that front position. There's no ideal matchup. Will he get the foot up tonight? Do you think studs will come up tonight, Jared? I don't imagine he'll change his, change his technique from one week to the next. What will be interesting is will the umpires blow the whistle? Or report him. I don't think they'll report him. But so what, what happened with the umpires department was an interesting flow through the week. So there is a free kick for rough conduct. Un, un, um, unnecessary and uh, I think the exact word, but there is a catch-all of rough conduct. And so there's no need for a studs-up rule. Is rough conduct covers that, and then they might specify what that looks like next year. But so do the umpires go out there tonight going, right, if, if he puts his studs up, we, we believe that to be rough conduct. It's, it's a really difficult scenario to be in, I think. Opposite to to- uh, Toby Green is, is Jordan Dugowie. Does Phil Davis go to him? It looks like Keith's been picked to play on Cox, does it not? Oh, this is the beauty of... of 
being Mason Cox, he could if that's to be the case, if he could light it up for a ten to fifteen minute period, he could change the whole planning of the of the Giants. And this is the opportunity in front of them. If Dagoe gets going, what if Dagoe takes Phil Davis to the cleaners? Where do you go then? Now, this is this is this is the beauty of finals footy. Dagoe was disappointing last week. I'm sure he's playing a little bit wounded. He's, he looks he looks like he doesn't have the same freedom of movement that he had uh, three or four weeks ago. But but this is it. You know, it's sudden death. Now it's win or go home. So I like your thinking here. So you think Nathan Buckley would have had some pretty confronting conversations with a few of his players during the week? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he would have sat down with Mason and said, "Okay, how do we help you? How do we help you, Mason?" Get back to the form of a month ago, clunking some marks and so on. Do we not let you lead? Do you, do you stay in the goal square? Do you do you demand Phil Davis? Do you want the best matchup? Gee, if you can do it, if you can do it on him, we could really, you know, rock the boat. So I think there's, to me, there's so much upside with what Collingwood did last week. I mean, they, their midfield got mauled uh, between the arcs, and the true midfield for that last quarter last week, um, Yo took them to town. He won five contested balls in that in that last fifteen minutes that were just it was just brutal footy. Redden and Yo got hold of them. That's not Collingwood. Collingwood are, are, are physical um, beasts in the middle of the ground. They're clearance machines. They've been that way for a couple of years, but they've got to find a way when the moments are there. I, I think you'll see a really special performance tonight from Scott Pendlebury. It was a bit crook still last crook week. Wasn't last it? week and played back. He's he's never had two bad ones in a row. I just think this will be this will be his night. It's forecast to rain for most of the afternoon, but then stop in time for the game. If 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 the conditions are affected, does it favour one team or the other, Bob? In your mind, uh, I, not obviously. I don't think. I think they're both. You know, they've got tall forwards, but I don't think it sort of heavily weighs one way or the other. I, I'm just leaning towards the Pies. I think they've they've been better than the Giants for the majority of the year, and they were they were pretty good last week. I think the Giants beat the Swans, who were, you know, the Swans are pretty banged up. I think the Pies will get them. Yeah, well, Jeremy Cameron's the other forward that uh, he had Grampy last week. He, he hasn't really been in stellar form, but he still is a potential threat. Got a good couple of matchups for him. I think Goldsack could do the job. I think Howe could do the job. So there's there's a couple of options there. So whichever way you start, you've, you know you've got, you've got backup to go to. Um, I just think side bottom in, in wet nights, his, his, his knowledge, his, his footy IQ comes to the fore. Uh, he's clever with his ball use. They're the sorts of players that, that I'll be looking for. Got no doubt they'll clear Whitfield. It'll be game on. It just could come down to Grundy versus Lobb. I mean, the ruck battle is so important in finals. Everyone tipping Collingwood in that case? Yep. I am. Yeah. yeah, I only just. I think it's going to be a, a ripper tonight. I can't wait to be there to bring you all the action. Who would Richmond rather play, by the way? Uh I don't think they care. No, they don't probably they don't. Care. They, <laughs> they don't even think don't. like that down there. All right, fair enough. All right, thanks for being with us. Uh, Kingy, particularly thankful for all those wonderful SMSs. This has been crunch time, of course, for our great friends at the TAC. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Stay tuned all day and don't forget the action, the second semi final between the Giants and the Pies coming your way tonight. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.